So they oh. rode the same distance as the boys ride today, but they did it in five days. I did not know that. How how crazy is that shit? With maybe one gear, I don't I don't remember I don't I don't remember yeah like I was there, but I don't <laughs> know exactly. One gear. I know at some point they had two gears they could turn the wheel around when they got in the mountains and it gave them a, a an easier gear. But I mean, and boys were getting on trains. Boys were uh, they would take <laughs> cork. And put fishing string through it, and they would have it in their teeth, and somebody would be up ahead, you know, pull. I mean, they did everything. You think we cut corners in my generation? These, these wow. bitches were cutting corners. Hey, everybody, all you people in England, welcome back to the Stages Podcast, talking about Stage 3. I only say welcome back to all you people in England because it's crazy now with social media, you get all of this data about people. Like, we know, it's a little weird, actually. Mm -hmm. We know how old you are, we know where you live, we know how long uh, on Facebook Live you stayed tuned in, and by the way, I don't care if you live where you live, thank you for tuning in, but... One of the stats that just blew me away was our our uh, biggest audience is in England, which I wouldn't have guessed. No, I, no, I understand, and you know, a lot of the hype uh, and the reason that England's more exci- excited. But I, of course, I would have thought that U.S. would be our biggest audience. Oh, clearly, and not even come close. on, America. Tomorrow's your birthday. <laughs> Start right. paying attention. That's right. Um, yeah, no. So anyway, stage three, we we go from Vervier. In Belgium, just outside of Liège, to Longwy in France. Interesting stat. Uh, through Luxembourg. Through three countries. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they haven't done that since 2009. 212K, we talked about it yesterday, super lumpy day. And it didn't, I mean, if you look at the profile, which you probably saw on TV plenty of times, it just looked like a saw blade. You know, in days like that, well, two things. One, when it's up and down like that, it means that it's not straight. And so, uh, you know, the typically, you know, the roads are twisty and curvy, and uh, it was cool to watch. And uh, big shout out to our local local hero, Nate Brown, Austin, Texas boy, for getting in the break and and getting a bunch of KOM points. Probably stole that jersey from his uh, from his flock of seagulls teammate Taylor Finney. <laughs> but well, we'll let's, get to, let's come back to Nate. Because, we'll get back to that. But I but I want to talk about me again for a second. Aside from the fact that I'm extremely, not extremely, but I'm just a little bit nicked up from last night. I went to a baby shower, and it was the weirdest baby shower that I've ever been to in my life. We can talk about that later. But uh, when I talk about me, I mean, two for two. Called it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Called it today. It's really not a, a, a it's not a big deal because everybody picked Peter Sagan, and, and he didn't disappoint. Well, you you picked him, and you were right, but... For those who have not seen it yet, and the highlights of his sprint are going to be all over the internet today. Yep. That sprint was amazing. I didn't know much as, about the guy as much about the guy as you do, and everybody's been talking about how strong he is and how this course was set up for him. And I've watched thousands of professional sprints in my life. Yep. That was one of the most unique sprints I've ever seen. I've never seen. A sprinter like that go to the front right. and and look like he's soft pedaling yeah. and just looking around at everybody like almost like a track 
uh, sprint. Like, are you going to go? Who's in? Well, it's uphill. And he was daring him. And then, as they take off, Sagan's foot comes out of the clip. Yep. For most people, that's it. You're done. It's over. Period. Well, for most people, if that happens, you're on the ground. It's very hard to, to, you know, to... When you're under full power, your foot comes out. Most people, you know, you need your foot in the pedal to stabilize everything that's going on, and, and most people end up on the ground. I will say, if, you know, this was an uphill sprint, so I, I don't know exactly how fast they were going, but, you know, it, it, let's just say it was probably 10 or 15 miles an hour slower than a, than a flat sprint. Mm-hmm. If that happens in a flat sprint, nobody keeps it up, not even Peter Sagan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a little lucky that it was uphill, I don't, and, and for him, too, you kind of got to say, well, why did it come out? You know, typically, uh, you know, that would only happen if your cleats are worn down a bit. And But he should probably check that. I mean, that would not be good to have happen, as I said, in, in a flat, super fast sprint. And, you know, Richie Port was in there mixing it up, too. I mean, Sagan was amazing, but Richie went too early. Yep. I don't know what his plan was there. I mean, we were all watching it going, too early, too early. It yep. even looked too early. When Sagan went, and then it was Matthews nipping at his heels right at the end. You know, if the finish line, which it's not, you know, it's like in golf, you hit a bad shot and you put it two feet from the hole, you know, that you tell your buddies, well, there's no, you know, there's no video on the scorecard. But um, if that finish line's 50 yards farther down the road, he loses the race. Matthews closed a lot of, uh, you know, big gap in the last, uh, you know, 100 meters, but... But it's indicative uh, of who's strong, right? You, well, what? that's why, you know, I made a note. I mean, as I look through these results, you know, I, I see some interesting things. I see, first of all, we, we in stage one, there were people, I call, I wrote down disappointers, um, channeling my inner George W. But there were the people <laughs> that, that, uh, that disappointed, whether it's Dan Martin or Richie Port or um, Jacob Fuglesong, who won the Dauphine Libre two weeks ago. They were there, right? They're in the top. So you had, uh, you had Dan Martin in third. By the way, gets back two seconds. They gap those guys off. Everything from fifth down loses time, loses two seconds. So Dan Martin third, Fuglesong seventh. Um, you know, you had guys that, that came back, Richie Port right up there. You know, so good opportunity for them to test the legs a little bit. Maybe uh, not so much, not that it's going to get, you know, these, these time gaps are so minimal it doesn't really matter. But I think for their confidence tomorrow, easier day, and then. In, but in two days we have an uphill finish. So for them, you know, if I'm Richie Port, I'm thinking I felt pretty good today. And yeah. I look good and I look strong, and he did look strong. He was. I was like, damn, is this guy trying to win the race today? And you start to wonder if he can make up the forty some seconds on some sort of uphill finish. Well, yeah, it's a lot. I know. This is the Tour de France, <laughs> I mean, you know. There's a there's a lot of lot of a lot of things can happen, and and. You know, he he looked good. I was I was I was impressed. And you know, there was a quick blurb about it, uh, and it's something to keep an eye on. You know, Sky has been doing a lot of work, and they're carrying the yellow jersey, and it's not their GC contender. It's not their lead guy. Right. Um, probably wanting to let that go. Maybe tomorrow. You know, they they. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if look at. Uh, they have first and second in the GC now, right? You have Garen Thomas first, and, and Chris Room is now in second place, 12 seconds down. So in two days from now, they're going to have to control the race. They're by the doing, way, they're doing all the work anyway. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be at the front. And, and by the way, Garen Thomas looks good. 
Like if this guy, and people talk about it all the time, if he's on another team, it makes this bike race a lot more interesting. Uh, and of course, he's one of the pillars and stalwarts of that team. But if he's on another team, he's he's a damn good rider, and and he's going to be up there. And uh, so we'll, we'll we'll you know, regardless, they're going to have to support the race and carry the race tomorrow and the next day. You know, why don't you break that down for everybody? What that means when you've got you're defending the yellows. You hear them talk about that a lot. Mm. They're out there, the team. They're working. They're defending. The yellow, you hear those leaders give thanks to their team after the race. You know, if they're good, dude, they give thanks yeah. to the team. But what does that mean? Explain to the layperson what that, not just what it means tactically, but what it means physically to to, to defend the jersey. Yeah, it's, you know, they get, they're getting, they, they have the yellow jersey. Sky has the yellow jersey. But these days, they're getting a lot of help. In fact, in watching the coverage, you know, rarely did they have a guy on the front. You had you had all of these riders, teams, <clears throat> that wanted to win today. So you had Michael Matthews. You had uh, uh, um, Greg Von Avermaet. You had Philippe Gilbert. So you had all. You had Quick Step on the front. You had BMC on the front. You had Sunweb on the front. Um, so the Sky guys weren't having to work as no, hard as they could. No, the, 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 there's too much other interest for these mm-hmm. other teams just mm-hmm. to get a stage win. Right. So they can send the sprint. Yeah, they get a it's 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 uh they get a pass and and um that's very common. I mean that's 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 a perfect scenario for them. Just so people can better understand this, have that break. You know, the break again was just right off the front in control like we talked about yesterday. No one's worried about it. If that break starts to get away and is a real threat. Yeah. Is that and I'm talking about defending the jersey. Is that when everyone goes, "Hey, Sky, that's your jersey to defend," right. and then those guys go to the front? And no, to and do. then to the, if that ha- then they do not go to the front. Then they say, "You know what, Nate Brown in the breakaway, you can have the yellow jersey." And they because yeah. Merry Christmas, right? Because it. it's then, just then a short term. It's like it's truly, like a short gift. They truly <laughs> let it go. Okay. And in two, you know, the politics. Of of uh, we talked about this in the preview show the politics of a move like let's just say hypothetically that that happened. Here's the political situation, right? If I'm Dave Brailsford running Team Sky, and let's just say that Nate Brown, our homeboy, is the top ranked GC rider in the break, and I'm Brailsford, I go to 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 uh, Nate Brown's director Charlie Wigelius, and I say, "You guys are gonna have the jersey, right?" And it's it, it's a favor now. When people do favors, you know what they want? They want a favor back. They want it's a return, come back a later. favor in return. You're going to help us on and stage. So, oh, because they can get a stage win. They look good. Well, they get the jersey. Or yeah. it, what, you know, it, it all just, looks good. If that were to happen, now, it, it, there was no chance that was going to happen today because you had you know, these riders and these teams that, that clearly thought they could win. No, wait, this is interesting. And this is the stuff that I don't think people understand and the TV commentators don't break down for you. Let's talk about what you were just describing. Sky decides they, they'll let the jersey go. It's a favor, and you, somebody else gets to wear yellow. They get the stage win. It's good for their their team, yep. their sponsors. It's a great day. It's a great accomplishment in the tour. How do, I mean, really physically, how do those deals go down? I mean, is it a phone call from well, car to car? Uh, it, it is, could... it, is it the riders talking in the peloton? How— how is that? And I say deals. How are those favors being executed? We'll like, call it an arrangement. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but how does it physically You know, happen? I don't know. It's been a while since I was in that situation. Probably, you could, I'm sure all these guys have everybody's number. You could either call them or you could pull up beside them in the, in the, in the team car. Just have a conversation. That would be pretty obvious if you saw that. But, uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I think again, it's it, cycling is you have two hundred guys, and you're either one rider or one team of nine guys. You can't control this beast for three weeks. Like you mm-hmm. have to find friends and allies. And by the way, on on day three, your your ally, on, you know, the different on day four, you're out. I mean, you can be allies and enemy. It doesn't matter. You know, it changes right. literally. Uh, by the hour, and so, and and this is a sport where you know nobody gives a shit. They're totally ruthless. That'd be and, a fun thing, and I'm going to hold you to it to keep an eye on that. If we do see a stage ends with somebody getting a favor, yeah. we'll call it that. Uh, we'll point that out yeah. because that's a dynamic of the tour that I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand. We'll see it. I think it. I think it goes on less and less. I mean, back in the day. You know, th- those arrangements were. They would pull over and, and have a glass of wine and talk about it. No, they, but there would there would be some <laughs> there would be another transaction taking place. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that that really happens anymore. Okay, but having said that, I don't know because I'm not. You know, you and me are sitting here in Aspen in the in the, in the Airstream studio. So what the hell? The... <laughs> Trailer life. Yeah. We don't know hey, what's going on. This there. is a really cute story. Not so. JB has this kick-ass. Uh, <laughs> Airstream that he's modified to be a studio where you people on Facebook can see it. So yesterday he ca- he came by the house. We were just talking about stuff, and my <laughs> my little guy Max, the eight year old. Oh man! He says, uh, "Hey, I, I was walking away and yeah, I was on walking, the street." Yeah, he goes, "Hey, is that uh, is that your trailer over there?" And he goes, "Are you sleeping in it?" <laughs> yeah. And I go, "Yeah, pretty cool, huh?" And he goes. No, not really. No, not really. And he walked inside. <laughs> that kid's got some attitude. What a, yeah, what a punk. Oh, my God. He walked back into his little bunk room. Is like, <laughs> And I just had my head down, walking down the street to my trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Pam Alexander, our landlord, letting us, oh uh, my letting us park this baby here. Pam, thank you. I know. <laughs> hey, while we're uh, talking about the day, I, I am... I was going to say I'm surprised. I, I shouldn't. I should. I, I really shouldn't be surprised. I, I'm. But I am. Uh, I'm just baffled that this that this Chris Froome or Team Sky skin suit issue is still such a controversy. And in, you know, it's one thing. Uh, you know, to look at look at the cover of L'Equipe today. So here, L'Equipe is the main uh, sports paper in France. It's you know owned by the same organization that owns the Tour de France ASO. Um, not my favorite people in the world. Um, but here's the cover of L'Equipe today with all the other things going on in the world of sports. Yeah. Is the issue about... It's a it's a picture from the opening time that, trial. It's a picture the, from, actually, from yesterday. But, there, the, but jersey. the story is about the modified skin suit from stage one. Yeah. And, and, and again, this story originates with Frances Dejoux and Frederic Grappa and Mark Matteo and just the biggest bunch of babies ever. I can't take it. I can't believe this is a story. It's, you know, we could probably do an entire newly themed podcast about the state of media and how they're looking for controversy. And it's not just in cycling. You see it in everything. Mm. People don't take the time to read the entire article. By the way, you're a guy who reads the entire paper cover to cover. We've talked about this. You read the whole story. Most people today do not read the story. They read the headline, 
Yeah. And that's all the information they need. They accept that information and they go with it. Using this as an example, again and again and again, they see the headline of "Are these jerseys illegal?" Yeah. They just take that information and go, "Oh yeah, this guy had illegal jerseys," without doing any research, any investigation on their own, reading follow-up articles that don't pick up the steam. That yeah. is that is how media is working. But I think also too, this race is. We've had some exciting moments, but this is always the case in the tour. This first week. Look, there are days, and there will be many more days in the next, you know, two and a half weeks where it's boring. There's nothing to write about. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh, I mean, there. I mean, it's pretty interesting. It's content. It's it's good content that Peter Sagan pulled his foot out today. Mm-hmm. You know, but so they have to find these things when the race is not in the mountains, and there's not a time trial, and there's not any drama, so to speak. They got to. They have to generate a little drama, and this is that. Well, sometimes you have to remind yourself of why this outrageous, incredibly demanding event started. Yeah. I mean, it was to sell papers. Right. It, it was, was it, it was a stunt. It was a stunt, and people thought it couldn't be done, and these guys were doing something so unbelievable, and it was the coverage in the papers. And so, you know what I mean? There's, right. there's a, a heritage to the sensationalism of yeah. it, right? Yeah. And I didn't know until today, until I'm sitting there watching with Lance, why that, gel- that uh, jersey is yellow. Right. Why that's the color of choice right. for the Tour de France. Well, the paper that, and for the layperson at home, a lot of you cycling fans know this story, I'm sure, but the paper that we just, if you're listening at home, you didn't see it, but on Facebook Live, we showed it. Um, the, the, the main sports paper in France is L'Equipe. That paper used to be called Leato, L apostrophe A U T O. And it was printed on yellow paper. So the owner of the paper was trying to get. You know, just like today, trying to get some eyeballs, some views, right, mm-hmm. some clicks. Mm-hmm. And he thought, I got it. Well, let's do something really outlandish. What if I got a bunch of guys to ride their bikes around France and call it the Tour de France? Now, the crazy thing is, back then there were five stages. They had one gear, and, and, that, they, and that was considered over the top. Well, they still rode the same distance, so they oh. rode the same distance as the boys ride today. But they did it in five days. I did not know that. How how crazy is that shit? With maybe one gear, I don't I don't remember I don't I don't remember yeah, like I was there, but I don't <laughs> know exactly. One I know at some point they had two gears. They could turn the wheel around when they got in the mountains, and it gave them a, a an easier gear. But I mean, and boys were getting on trains. Boys were uh, they would take <laughs> cork and put fishing string through it, and they would have it in their teeth, and somebody would be up ahead, you know, pull. I mean, they did everything. You think we cut corners in my generation? These these wow. bitches were cutting corners. I didn't know it was the same miles, five stages. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 500, 600-kilometer days. Some and, of the same mountain passes? Yep. Yep. I mean, All the right. imagery from back then is, you know, is, is, is epic. And, uh, but anyways, the paper was printed on yellow paper. And so the ger- that's how that. you got to, you know, the... the the jersey became uh, the yellow jersey. And by, by the way, the second biggest race in the world is the Tour of Italy. The big sports paper in Italy is La Gazzetta dello Sport, printed on pink paper, hence the reason that the leader's jersey at the Giro is pink. There you go. Yeah. I'll learn something today. Yeah. I, we've got a lot of new people, especially popping in on Facebook. And so sometimes we may go down some things that if you've been following the Tour forever— it may be very obvious to you, but there's some people who are so new to this, and they're like, I didn't know that, and they're getting very engaged in it. I've talked to several people since we started this going, you know what, you guys are sharing, and Lance is sharing so many insider things that I'm enjoying watching it better. 
because it is like any sport the more you understand the intricacies yep. and and you know the things that are unique about it the more you're going to enjoy it yeah um, we got to see another american for a little bit today tell us more about nate brown so nate brown is a he's originally from memphis he uh he now resides in austin he was like taylor finney and like lawson craddock and uh, a few others he was on this development team that i started in 2008 2009 uh, which was the Trek Livestrong team, which has now morphed itself into the Action Cycling Team, A-X-E-O-N, which is led by Axel Merckx, who's, uh, who was the director back in the day. But Nate is, uh, and by the way, too, his, his younger brother, Johnny Brown, also lives in Austin, a great young rider who's on Axel's team. Um, Nate's a kid that, uh, you know, I think, I think he was surprised to be selected for the tour. You know, when he, I trained with him quite a lot in the offseason. He never... He never had the Tour de France on his radar. And so for him to get the call up, the big show, right, the, mm-hmm. the tour, and, and to animate the race like he did today, um, pretty cool. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. And, and he's just the sweetest kid. He grew up in a cycling family. His dad rides a lot. His dad is a, a pilot for Delta Airlines, does, uh, does, does all the big long-haul flights out of Memphis. But Nate and his brother Johnny, both just great kids and – Awesome to see him up there and be punchy, be aggressive, and uh, I mean that 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 longer Cat Three climb that he took the most points on and, and to get the jersey was that was a big attack over the Katusha rider. I'm happy to see it because when the tour was beginning, even prior to it beginning, people are going, "Where are the Americans? Americans aren't strong in here," and here we are, just stage three. We've gotten a good look at a couple of them. That's been kind of nice and a surprise to everybody. I will share this just for fun. Because uh, Taylor Finney, who we got a good look at the other day, is doing interviews, and man, is he interesting. Well, he cl- we clearly didn't get to look at him like we're about to hear. This is a, this is a different look. <laughs> Listen to this quick little interview with Taylor talking about uh, getting king of the mountains. and yeah. So, you know. That's the polka dot jersey, yep. and he picked up some points the other day by going out in a break. But listen to this interview. Did you wake up this morning thinking you'd end up in the polka dot? Uh, man, honestly, I finished the time trial yesterday. Um, we went back to the hotel. I took a shower. I was completely naked sitting in my room. And Charlie Wigalius, the, the director, comes in and just sits down next to me. And I'm, you know, kind of like, hey, Hey man, and he's like, "Hey, how do you how do you feel about going for the polka dot jersey?" And I was like, "Bro, I'm completely naked. Like, I haven't even thought about what clothes I'm gonna wear." So uh, I planted that seed, and um, you should do that more often. Yeah, maybe that's that's like a new psychology thing: is get people when they're naked at their most vulnerable. It worked. It worked out. Your parents were at the start today. Is that right? Yeah, my parents are here. Yeah, is that must have been good. And did it spur you on a bit? Yeah, my parents are here. Actually, my uh, longtime nanny is here from when I was a kid. Uh, I don't still have a nanny. Um, you need I'm one. Surprise, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I've I've just been feeling the love. You know, um, I'm really really excited to be at the Tour de France in this capacity. I've spent a lot of time watching the Tour de France and. Um, I can tell you it's just another bike race, but it's insane. Yeah, it's and it feels a lot like a dream. 
which is kind of all you're really looking for in uh, in your professional How life. How long does this so. go on for? That's it. Okay. That has to That's, be uh, weed-induced. Yeah. That sounds like all my pot-smoking friends. Uh, yeah. Pro- probably not a good idea during the Tour de France. <laughs> you know, we are in a state where that is legal, so th- I guess theoretically you could... You could get away with that. I got to give some credit, though. I did. Uh, that was from um, uh, uh, SBS Central yep. Cycling out yep. of Australia. Right on. Yeah. I mean, Mike, we, we can't spend a lot of time talking about this, but surely Taylor has a roommate. Like, what's. Well, I hope he doesn't just sit around, like, just with it all going out, hanging out, and then the roommate, anyways. Something else that stood out to me today, today that I saw you react, Lance. Um, it was a uh, lumpy ride, as you call it. A lot of they were kind of almost always going up or down. Yep. Not 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 a huge huge mountain descents or anything like that, but some pretty fast ones. And a lot of the guys were squatted down way over the bars. And let me try no, to over, disc- the to- over the top tube. Uh, yeah, over the top tube, to where their, I mean, their chin is. You can't even see the handlebars below you. They're they're laying down on the top two right, pretty much, and you looked at it kind of funny, like really. Well, Chris Froome popularized this last year when he went away on this downhill, basically sitting on the top two and still pedaling. Like I, it's I don't, when they were still pedaling, pedaling was I, what I, threw you off. Yeah, I w- you know I'd be too. I don't. First of all, I don't think at this point in my life I could I could actually do that with the state of my back and and how um, n- not limber I am, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's it, you see that in cycling. There's these little trends and styles that people try to borrow and adopt. Um, so I mean I think, but to go back to the day, this was not an easy day, and you saw it at the end of the at the end of the finish when guys are just getting spit. You know, off the you bat. have you see, you if you looked at the peloton, you're like this. Okay, they're all together, but then people are just are just getting spit out. I mean that was a tough. Did the boys will be tired tomorrow? That one is going to leave a mark. Uh, on a lot of guys, and, and and by the way, a lot of these guys, like we saw Mark Renshaw coming back, right? There's no need for Mark Renshaw to fight and stay in the front and use all that energy when he knows tomorrow is a perfect day for Cav, Mark Cavendish. And so just sit up, lose a minute or two, save the legs, get ready for tomorrow. That's I think that's I think that's perfectly acceptable. If you don't mind taking just a little bit of time and and explaining. Um some some climbing categories and i know we'll get more into that as we go as they get into the mountains but as i was looking at the stage profile you know there were some three four category climbs and in the 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 peak of them was roughly the same height so there's i'm sure there's a different way of breaking down a three versus a four climb yeah it's all based on the distance it's not based on the elevation Right, it's, which is uh, what a lot of people think. Or it's I not, think it's not based on the, the the highest elevation. It's based on the distance of the climb and the steepness of the climb. So, for those of you who don't know, you know the e- not the easiest, but the lowest categorized climb is a Cat Four, and then you have Cat Three, Cat Two, Cat One. You know, Cat Twos and Twos start to be longer and harder. Well, One is a very very difficult climb, and then you have HC, which is horror category, which means above category. Right, so. It's like um, eleven in Spinal Tap. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, those are those are those are the um, the monuments of, of mm-hmm. the sport: the Alpes the Ventoux, the Galibier, things like that. Where you see an HC climb and it's hard, but 
Um, you know, that's early in the race. You know, the points for a Category 4 are very low. I mean, look, we're talking about, I mean, Nate Brown has the jersey with three or four points. Whereas, you know, and, and I should know this, but the, the points for an HC climb are huge. Mm -hmm. So as the race goes on, you see, uh, uh, I mean, not to discredit the competition for the polka dot jersey now, but these these guys that, that typically get that jersey this early, they're opportunist. Mm -hmm. So they go on the breaks. They get As the race goes on, a true climber or a truer climber, although it's to be debated, will be the ones getting those points. Yeah, that was what I was thinking with that. Although yeah. we've been not thinking we had much to talk about with American riders. We've already had uh, Taylor Finney and then Nate Brown uh, two days apart sharing the poke of that jerk. It gives us something to talk about. But over the long haul, these are probably not the guys to hang on to that. Um, probably not, but but it doesn't matter. I mean, they they, they you know they had an objective as a team, uh, Cannondale Draypack. They may not feel like they have... Uh, great hopes for the overall or may not have stages that totally suit them for stage victory. So you got to do something. You got to, you got to get in the break, show off the sponsors. And then if you can, you know, poach some points by being an opportunist, Hey, more power to you. Do you want to take a couple questions and then we'll look at, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we get, we've been sure. getting, yeah, let's, um, we're bombarded, with bombarded with emails comments. and, and thank you for that. And a bunch of, uh, great questions. And, and we thought, I, th I think we should, we don't have to do it every day, but uh, but maybe some of these days we'll take some questions. We got some good ones today, so let's well, let's, we'll just let's do pick a, one. We we are going to get to a lot of them. We've had um, so much excitement in the first two days with all the bad weather, uh, but we're going to do more and more of this. Here is a question: uh, Marcel Kittle became the first rider to win a stage on a bike with disc brakes. Yeah, good. What are your thoughts about discs in the peloton? And uh, would you have would you have selected disc um, over traditional rims? Well, so I, just for the record, or traditional brakes. I yeah. So I, I I'm, I've been very outspoken about this, and I feel very strongly that every rider in the Tour de France, every rider in the professional peloton, I don't care what race it is, should be on disc brakes, and and not only should they now, but it's a certainty. It will. It's a fact. It will happen, and. Uh, a, they work a lot better when it's dry, and when it's wet, they work much better. Now, there's been some controversy as we try to uh, phase in disc brakes. You know, d look, you have an exposed disc that when it when you're braking hard, it heats up. So, if there's a big massive pileup, you know, if that disc is coming at you and you're on the ground, it it could cut you. It could it's like a saw blade. It could be pretty serious. Now, to me, I look at that, I'm like there. I mean, my KTM motorcycle, I, I have disc brakes on it, and I have a cover on it. You know, there's a, there's a carbon cover over th th There's a solution there. I think the most important thing is, well, number one, they work a hell of a lot better. And number two, and this is the most important thing, and this is where the UCI are complete dipshits when it comes to this. This, this sport is largely supported by the industry now. So in the day, you had big corporations. You, now, who supports the sport? It's the Cannondales. It's the Specialized. Mm -hmm. It's the Treks. It's the Canyons. These people are putting hundreds of millions of dollars into this sport. You have to work with those people that are funding your sport. What, so, you know, if you're a fan at home, imagine if everybody in the race had disc brakes. And you got a bike two years ago that has traditional caliper brakes. I'm gonna feel like my bike's you're, you're sitting antiquated. There going, like, oh, I need my, an update. I, I gotta, I gotta get a new bike. And and it's not disc brakes isn't the kind of thing 
where you can take an old bike and put disc brakes on it. Mm -hmm. You have to get a whole new bike. The mm -hmm. bike is engineered different, built differently. Everything's different. So it turns over the entire inventory. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm, I'm glad that we had our first stage one with disc brakes. I personally, that's all I ride is disc brakes. I do have a Cannondale at home that, that's got calipers, but all my other bikes have disc brakes. And I love it. I love it. But they should all should be on it. And it's funny, too, as we were watching that and it, re seeing that question and, and, and talking about it, Dave Bolch, who has been in the role of a mechanic, Swanier, all that thing, goes, what a pain in the ass not having neutral wheels for everybody. You have to grab a different wheel. Well, there it. has to be some uniformity. All right? you, so, so whether it's neutral support or whether it's within a team, obviously you have to be able to exchange, you know, change, do a wheel change. Mm -hmm. Or even if it's neutral support, which typically is a bad wheel change, you know, it's got to fit in so that it's just a standard size. That's not all of this is easy to do. And, and, and help the governing body, the UCI, should be helping the people who are paying for the sport. And trust me, if that entire Peloton's rocking disc brakes, man, John Doe in, in, in Des Moines going, God, I guess I got to get a new bike. And he's going to yeah, go. That's true. I was watching today, and I think my uh, I'm ready to ditch my down tube shifters. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for an upgrade. Yeah. Get them right there on the brakes. Index shifting. <laughs> Some new hot thing. Uh, that was a great question from uh, Rich. Thank you very much. One more question here real quick. Let's do it. I think it's very relevant because we got a good look at Peter Sagan today. It says, what keeps P someone like Peter Fr Sagan from using someone else's lead-out train? Is that bad form, or is it too hard to get behind someone else's train and use that for a finish? No, no. That is from Mike Phillips out of California. Yep, totally acceptable. I mean, if, yeah. you, if, you, if, if you don't have, if, if whoever you are, it doesn't matter if it's Peter Sagan or anybody, if you don't have your train, then you have to just sort of, you got to mooch. Mm -hmm. right? you gotta, it's, <laughs> it's, I think it's fine to just, if, if you have uh, the stones, to get in that line, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not easy to to elbow your physically elbow your way in there. Once you get in, you know, unless you're trying to get in the middle of somebody else's train, that would be bad for mm -hmm. them. But if you're on the back end of it, let's say that Quick Step has their train going and they're leading this thing out for Marshall Kittle, which you're going to see tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Whoever gets Kittle's wheel, that's the wheel you that's want. That's gold, right? Yeah. But yeah, if you tried to interrupt, it's their just hard train. to get it. Right. If you wanted to get jump into the middle, you're going to get your ass chewed. Oh, no, And yeah. they're going to be no, like, you can't what get in the, the F are you doing? No, no, you can't get in the middle. But we saw it today with Sagan. It is a slightly, well, I don't know, slightly maybe. It was a very uphill sprint. And it looked like, uh, like you were talking about yesterday, you don't always get to see that helicopter view. Looked like he was going to get blocked out up against the barriers. <laughs> and that's this is what's so cool about sprinters when they're doing their thing. Sagan rode up halfway on this guy, couldn't get through, reached over and just said, "Move over." Buddy. What he did was he, he Liggett called. And he said, "He said, oh no, Peter Sagan's boxed in." I said, "Yeah, watch this." <laughs> and he didn't even take his hands off the bars. He got close enough to him, and it was just the elbow on on the dude's ass, like, get "Move out, over, get out the way, let the big boys." And out. and 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 even if you know that's where etiquette and things like you know that guy doesn't have to get out of the way. In no. fact, he could move more to the right. Yeah. And, and you know, if you've got a half a bike in front of somebody, you've you got the upper hand. And so, but, but Sagan, you know, I think he's a well, obviously very well respected and very well liked. He just gives them a little something like, hey, P, 
Pete's coming through. And the dude moved over. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there was no debate over that. Yeah. Good question, Mike. I'm going to throw out one more real quick. Uh, real, real quick. Uh, he says, they say, with uh, Valverde out, do, uh, do you think you'll we'll see Quintana and Port working together? You've been talking about friendships, alliances, politics. Could those two help each other out? And that's from Waz and Adelaide. You're all, every day, there's always, like, uh, I said it earlier, there, there are... Uh, alliances and arrangements and friendships and 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 deal not deals but you know every day and so that's you know the interesting thing becomes when you have guys that are perhaps personal friends right so you have a you have a Richie Port and a Chris Room who are very close personal friends but now on different teams you know I, I, that probably takes precedent for some guys it wouldn't take precedent for me i mean i always told the boys you can talk to your friends in three weeks. No friends here. Mm-hmm. We got no friends for three weeks. We're gonna talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, but but the sport seems it seems a friendlier place now. Um, but yeah, you you'll see it. You you will be able to watch it real time. All right, send those comments uh, to stages at wedosport.com. W e d u sport.com. And have your friends subscribe to the podcast. Or if you're not getting, I know a lot of you are watching this on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, stagespodcast.com, if you want to go get all the links for the RSS feed. What are we going to look at tomorrow? What can we expect? It's another, it's interesting, it's, it's another lumpy day. This is not not as lumpy as today, but I think the most interesting thing about tomorrow is, you know, like like these sprint stages, is the is the final. And, and, and the only thing I see, I see two things about tomorrow's final into Vittel. So the cool thing about Vittel is it's like a, it's the number one spa destination in France. You and I ought to be there. <laughs> and if you watch in the race, you see a lot of the banners, like the, the 20K to go, 15K to go. The big sign across it is Vittel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never knew what that was. Well, that's, that's a water. spa? That's like, no, it's water. Oh, that's the Vittel Yeah, okay. so it's all this uh, mineral water that's made there. So the you know the, one of the big sponsors of the race actually is named after this town where ah. the race is going tomorrow. Didn't but the, the interesting thing about the finish is, is is two things. One is it's not a flat sprint. I got it at about 2%. You know, 2% is, they're going to be going, but it's 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 not going to be a fast sprint. It's going to be a hard sprint. And so, you know, if, if I had to try to go three for three, I mean, I still think a guy like Kittle, but then you go to a guy like Kristoff from Katusha, like a power guy, a classics guy. It's going to be a tough sprint. The second thing that's interesting is it's not, it's not, um, it's not a straight run in. This is a pretty complicated finish with three k to go. You still have, you know, three or four corners. They even they even noted here on the book, sharp left hand bend, which is around a roundabout that you, which is um, where is a sharp sharp right hander. But as you've shared with us, that's where. Um... GC cont- contenders don't want to get caught behind. You don't a crash. want to get gapped off. You got to stay up front. There will be gaps tomorrow, I think. And so when it's those technical turns, yep. there could be an accident. Big gap happens. You're in trouble. Yep. And so power sprint. And maybe a guy like Cavendish. I got a text yesterday from TJ Van Gardner. I actually got two messages yesterday. One from George Hincapie and one from TJ, both criticizing me for my pick of Peter Sagan. They said no way. You know, really? Greg Van Avermaet. Or Philippe Gilbert, and I said, nope, it's too late. <laughs> the podcast has already gone out. I'm sticking with my man. And uh, But TJ's pick for tomorrow uh, was Cav. That's his, that's his pick for tomorrow, Mark Cavendish. Are you going with that? I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not going with that. Okay. 
Can I not go with anything? No, pick one. Man, when you got two in a row, uh, I'm gonna go. Then I'm gonna go with Kittle again. I'm going with right. Marcel Kittle. I don't. He's got the team. He's got the train. Obviously, he's got the form. And by the way, too. Well, I guess he lost time today. Now you start to get into some guys, you know, that are well. Never mind. Stage five is an uphill finish, and the the GC will, you know, these sprinters will now after in two days' time will never stand a chance of having that that yellow jersey. Not after tomorrow. Yep. All right. Any All right. final thoughts for our audience at home? I got nothing. I got it. My mom is coming in today. And this has nothing to do with the Tour de France. My mom's coming in for the fourth. Tomorrow's America's birthday. Happy birthday, America! And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up on this podcast and go pick up my mom. And my daughter's coming back today. Grace Armstrong, who's taken up cycling. For those of you following me on Instagram. I'm so proud of her. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And again, uh, send email stages at wedosport.com and send the link to all your friends that love cycling and want a good, unique insider look. Stagespodcast.com.